We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Welcome to The Hive, a natural Christian mama's podcast. We are so glad you're listening to us today. Jackie, Bethany, and Shelby are three natural Christian mamas who run a ministry by that name. Check out our website and blog at www.naturalchristianmamas.org. Follow us on Facebook. Just search Natural Christian Mamas. And take time to join our Facebook community. Search Natural Christian Mamas Community. Jackie, Bethany, and Shelby are three mamas who love Jesus, choose to embrace natural living, and desire to help other mamas do the same. Please keep in mind that anything said on the show is our opinion. We are not medical professionals. What we say is most likely based on extensive research, but it's important for you to do what is best for your family. We're going to be talking about the God who sees. My kids really like playing with I spy books. You know, the ones where you search for an object. It's kind of like a mess, right? We've all done I spy books, right? Um, or where's Waldo or anything like that. It just looks like a huge mess and you're looking for like one or two objects. Um, they're usually pretty obscure, like look for the thimble or look for five coins or whatever it is. You know, at times some of the things are really easy to spot and other times they're really challenging to spot. Some of the objects are kind of obscured by other things or partially hidden by other things. But the cool thing is with these books, at least for our family, we found that when we find something, we often can find it again, right? So once we found the thimble on the one page, you know, maybe it's a spooky page or whatever, usually we can find it again, which is pretty cool. Even a few weeks later, we know right where it is again. Sometimes when we look at the Bible, there are stories or and people that are kind of hidden or obscured by things, and we don't always notice them at first. Sometimes we have to read the story over and over again just to see it. Or maybe we've read the story multiple times, but we've kind of just skimmed over the name of the person or the place or what's going on because it's a story we've read a lot. But the thing is, once you see it with these different eyes, once you see the story or you see the person, it's something you can never forget. So that's kind of how it relates to the eye spy. This actually happened to me earlier this month. Um, I was reading, so I've been doing like daily Advent reading in Luke. So Luke 1 on the first day, Luke 2 on the second day of the month and and so forth. Because there's 24 chapters in Luke, I believe. And so it gets you right up to Christmas, which is pretty cool. So while I was reading Luke, I came across Anna. Now Anna's a prophet and she prophesied over Jesus shortly after his birth. I have read this story in chapter, like chapter one of Luke so many times, and yet I have missed Anna, the prophet, every single time. This was the first time that I actually noticed her. And I won't ever forget her because I notice her now and I understand her significance in a whole new way now that I see her. 
The two characters in today's scripture that we're going to talk about in a minute, I'll read the scriptures in a minute, they're kind of like that. In their culture, they would have been overlooked in the culture of the time. And even in today's culture, as readers, like we tend to overlook them because one is carrying John the Baptist and one is carrying Jesus. So we often think that the babies that they're carrying, you know, they they kind of outshine them in a way. So we tend to overlook these characters as well. So let's read the scripture together. So if you have your Bibles, um, you can read along. It's really like seeing the words um, help me to know what's going on and better than, you know, just hearing them. So the scripture is Luke 1, 39 to 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that line. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. When I read this Bible passage, it's really heavy for me. It's really powerful. I can't really put into words why or how it makes me feel exactly. But when I read it, it's almost like the Holy Spirit that lives in me leaps as the Holy Spirit, you know, in Elizabeth and in John made the baby leap. The Holy Spirit in me recognizes that there's something important going on in this passage, and we're going to talk about that today. But I remember so many times glossing over this passage. So many times. I would just read it, okay, move on, whatever. I don't think, I don't think it was until I became a mother that I really saw the passage, that it really came alive to me. I was able to see it differently because I now know what it's like to have a baby like jump in my womb, right? So it's this totally different thing. And I guess that brought the passage to life to me, right? God uses our journey and things that we go through to really open our eyes up to his truth and his word. But obviously, you know, there are plenty of people that can't get pregnant because, well, they're men <laughs> and they're women that, you know, choose not to get pregnant. So obviously this passage isn't just for people who have had babies. So just want to clarify <laughs> real quick there. But I know for me, that's when I realized that it was different and it, and it came to life. So that was really exciting for me. You see, and when we look at this passage, we can see that God is working to overturn the world's structures and expectations, right? This is what he is doing. Jesus was nothing like people expected him to be. God doesn't work the way we expect him to. He does, he does what he wants, right? The passage focuses on Mary and Elizabeth. It doesn't focus on John and Jesus. It focuses on Mary and Elizabeth. Two women who would have been lowly and shamed in that society. Mary was an unwed pregnant teenager, right? Probably around the age of 12 to 16 is what my research shows. 12 to 16, like that's so young. 
And Elizabeth, before her pregnancy, was an old, barren woman. Both of these things were shameful in that society, in that culture. And to an extent, if we're honest, that those, both of those women might be looked down upon in our society today, in our culture today, right? Where we, we highly encourage women to have children, or we obviously highly encourage teenagers to not get pregnant, right? So, you know, it's not a far stretch for us to see why these women would have been looked down upon. But God chose these women and he chose to see them and to begin the transformation of the world with them. Like that's huge. He saw them and he used them to transform the world. And that's just, it blows my mind when I really, like, I can't believe I, I glossed over this passage and it gets even better. So the Holy Spirit in John leaps for joy as he recognizes Jesus in Mary's womb. John, even in the womb, points to Jesus. And that's what his entire ministry does and is about. And it starts as a baby in the womb. Children are precious. Even unborn children are precious. And we know that. And this is the part that I don't think I ever fully grasped. So Elizabeth is then filled with the Holy Spirit, and she begins to prophesy. Mary is pregnant, but Elizabeth didn't know that at the time. There, there wasn't, she didn't have knowledge of that before that moment. The Holy Spirit enlightens Elizabeth, and she shouts it. That's what that, she like exclaims it really loud. She's so excited. And then she calls the baby, my Lord, which I'm pretty sure is the first time Jesus is ever referred to as Lord in the story or in the scriptures. Elizabeth ends her message with a blessing to Mary about her faith and her willingness to serve God. God is using Mary to carry Jesus. And obviously he's using Elizabeth to carry John, but he is using Elizabeth to prophesy and bless Mary. Both of these women are being used by God in huge ways. And I think it's interesting hear how Elizabeth celebrates Mary's willingness to say yes to God right away when her own husband, Zechariah, questioned, right? When the angel told him about his child, Mary was an untrained teenager and Zechariah was a temple priest and Zechariah questioned and Mary simply accepted. So our education and our experience do not dictate our willingness to say yes to God. Our submissive hearts are actually the most important thing when serving God. So it's really important to remember. I also wanted to point out that Mary is welcomed into Elizabeth's home. Elizabeth could have easily and most likely society said she should have shamed her and judged her um, for being an unwed teenager, right? But Elizabeth welcomes her. And this is the same kind of inclusive love that Jesus eventually shows to prostitutes and sinners. This is yet another sign that Elizabeth had truly been filled with the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit was guiding her. What I love to do when I read scripture is I like to look beyond the story, right? And see how this particular passage ties into the overarching story of God, um, of God's word. 
you know, a single passage isn't designed for us to, it's not designed to stand on its own, but it's actually to help illuminate the whole story of God. So it's really important that we are looking at the whole thing. In our passage today, Elizabeth's barrenness connects her to women in the Old Testament, women like Sarah and Hannah. And both of these women birth really important men in the Bible. When I, what I see when I look at today's, the scripture we're talking about today in light of the whole of the Bible is that women are important in biblical history. Women are important to the whole story of God. Women have been elevated since, in God's eyes, since the very beginning uh, of scriptures, quite honestly. I'm going to give you a list of women, and I want you just to think about how many women you've heard of and how many women you haven't. And these women are in the Bible, okay? God has used them, he has seen them, and he has elevated them for his purpose. Women like Leah, Hagar, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, right? We talked about them. The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, the woman who bled for 12 years, Mary and Martha, Esther, Priscilla, Phoebe, who was, who was a deacon, Hua and Shifra, midwives who saved Israel, Rahab, Joanna, Junia, the apostle, Anna, the prophet, Deborah, the judge, JL, her story is one of my favorites. So if you don't know it, you should look it up later. Mary Magdalene and more. Tradition. God has always seen, used, and elevated women and the marginalized. This is what he has always done. There are plenty of stories in the Bible where God uses men as well, but today's scripture highlights women, and so we're that's why I'm doing that as well. Mary and Elizabeth are in good company for being seen and used by God. But male or female, it doesn't matter, God sees you. He sees your past, he sees your pain, he sees your current suffering, your faults, and he loves you. And he, he has a plan for your life. He is our El Roy. The first person to give God a name in the Bible was a woman, Hagar in Genesis 16. And I don't think that was a coincidence. He is the God who sees. That's what El Roy means. The God who sees me. Genesis 16, 13, if you want to write it down or look it up, it's just where Hagar names God. She, meaning Hagar, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Hagar was an Egyptian slave, if you don't know the story, who gave birth to Abraham's firstborn son, Ishmael. She was not married to Abraham. Sarah was. And Sarah had encouraged Abraham to use her servant, Hagar, to have a child, right? Because God promised them a child and Abraham, well, Sarah thought she was too old. Hagar, while pregnant with Ishmael, actually fled because Sarah became pregnant and then she treated, she treated Hagar horribly, abusively. And Hagar left. And while running, God stopped her and he told her about the future and what she needed to do. God stopped her. God saw her. Hagar's God, the one is the one who numbers the hairs on our head. He knows our circumstances, our past, our present, and our future. 
This is the God that we serve. Jesus could have come as an earthly king, right, with power and wealth. He could have been born into a military family where he would have been raised up in a well-established military family and became a mighty force in the military. But our God likes to do the unexpected. He is a God who tells us that in order to be first, we must be the very last and servant of all. He is a God who said that he came to serve and not to be served. And then he showed us this time and time again. This is the God that we get to serve. He knew all the expectations for him, right? People thought he was going to be the actual king, right? I mean, he's a king, but they thought like king the way they thought. They thought he was going to overthrow the rulers that, I mean, he does, but he does it differently. He knew their expectations of the Messiah and he chose a different way. He didn't choose wealth or status or power or force. He chose simple, ordinary, humble, gentle, and love. That's our God. God is a God of justice and compassion. He hears the cry of the oppressed and the marginalized, and he responds. He is the God who sees. God wants to be part of our simple, ordinary, mundane lives. Sometimes I ask, like, you know, what can God do with my tiny, boring life, right? Like, really? But God delights in taking what is small and insignificant in the eyes of the world and using it to do extraordinary and unexpected things through him. After all, he is the God who sees. And this isn't just a Bible thing. God has done this time and time again, all throughout history. Harriet Tubman, I'm sure most of us have heard who she is, but Harriet Tubman was an American abolitionist and political activist. She also did a bunch of other things as well. She was born into slavery, but she eventually escaped. In the mid-1800s, she made about 13 missions to rescue approximately 70 enslaved people using the Underground Railroad. As a slave, during her childhood, she had been beaten and whipped, like as was, you know, that was normal at the time. Numerous times she was, and she suffered a traumatic head trauma, a traumatic head wound, sorry, by one of her slave owners when she was, I believe she was eight years old. She honestly should have died from the injury. It was that severe. But she survived, but she ended up having severe dizziness and pain for the rest of her life. But after the injury, something really interesting happened. She began experiencing visions and dreams that she attributed to God. Harriet was devoutly religious and considered herself a Christian. God saw Harriet. He saw her when... By society standards, she was nothing. She was overlooked. She was a slave. She was a woman. She was property. But God saw her. He helped her escape, and he used her in very impactful ways. God using Harriet was unexpected. God saw Harriet, and God sees you too. What is God doing today through unexpected people in our society? Because he still does it, right? This isn't a way back in the day thing or an 1800s thing. This is a today thing. God is still doing unexpected things. Kanye West, hear me out. Kanye West just released a worship album. 
called Jesus is King, an actual Jesus-loving, Messiah-proclaiming worship album. And I like it. Like, I really do. It's enjoyable to listen to. Here are some lyrics from his song, God Is. I'll say them slowly so you can listen. Everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Worship Christ with the best of your portions. I'm not going to wrap it, by the way. <laughs> I know I won't forget all he's done. He's the strength in this race that I run. Every time I look up, I see God's faithfulness. And it shows just how much he is miraculous. I can't keep it to myself. I can't sit here and be still. Everybody, I will tell till the whole world is healed. King of kings, Lord of lords, all the things he has in store. From the rich to the poor, all the things he has in store. You won't ever be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying. Jesus saved me and now I'm sane. Like, how about those lyrics? Like, can God use Kanye West to share the gospel? Absolutely. And he's doing it. I mean, and look, if God can use Paul in the Bible of all people, then he can use Kanye West. And he is, he is using Kanye West, which is incredible. God can use anyone. And I mean anyone, regardless of their past, because he sees beyond what the world sees, right? He sees our potential. He sees our hearts. God looks at us. God looks at you. And he sees the very best of us, the absolute very best of us. So the question today is, are we open to the new things that God is doing? Or are we so stuck on tradition that we miss what he is doing? It's a serious question and it's a concern and it's something we should reflect on. And tradition, the type of tradition I'm talking about is man-made tradition, not biblical tradition. Because biblical tradition tells us that God is always doing the unexpected. He is always using the least worthy and he is always doing new things. That's tradition for God. God is at work both then and now. He used Mary and Elizabeth, and he uses us today if we let him. God is always seeking to partner with us. God sees us. He is the God who sees. He sees our world, and he sees you, friends. He does. I want to pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for being the God who sees. Jesus, we thank you for coming in unexpected ways. We thank you for coming as a tiny baby through a woman who was unwed, who was a teenager. Lord, we thank you for seeing Mary and doing the unexpected with her. And we thank you, Lord, for seeing all the men and women in the Bible and all the men and women throughout history that you have used to do great things through you. And Lord, we just pray that we would be open to you doing a new thing in our lives, to you using us for your good and for your will. And we just pray at this time that our hearts are focused towards you and that we look to you in all things and in everything that we do, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for this day and every day, and we thank you for your word above all.
In your mighty name we pray. Amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.